What a great time in what's happening in our world today with Israel, the war in the Middle East. And as we talked about last week, literally the idea that we are in a significant season in the history of humanity. And we have an amazing opportunity to be the light of Christ in a world filled with darkness. And so what an awesome opportunity we have today to gather together in community together. And really, as we're going to recognize this morning, our theme for today is growing together. And when you think about the idea that, uh, that it is impossible, I want you to hear this, it is impossible for you to become the person God has called you to be if you live your life all alone. It is impossible for you to become the person God has called you to be if you live your life all alone. Why? Because we were created for community. We were created to be connected together. And I'm thankful for our natural family, but how many of you know we need a spiritual family? We need brothers and sisters in Christ who are gathering with us, standing with us, supporting us, encouraging us, and helping us to live the life that God has called us to live. So if you will, look with me this morning in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. The Bible says this, For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son. God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son. The goal of Christianity is that we would be like Jesus. Can I get an amen? The goal of Christianity is that we would be like Jesus. And God chose us in advance. He predetermined ahead of time that those who would come to Christ, His goal, His purpose, His mission for our lives is that we would become more and more like Jesus. How many of you understand becoming more and more like Jesus doesn't happen in one moment? It happens in a lifetime of moments. It happens through a community of faith. It happens through a continual progression of growing and loving and serving God together is how we really experience what it means to be more and more like Jesus. Now look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Bible says this, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when He returns. How many know He is returning? So whether we're dead or alive, when he returns, we can live forever with him. Now look at verse 11. <clears throat> so encourage each other. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So Paul says, hey guys, we have a confidence in Christ that when Christ returns, whether we're dead or whether we're alive, we're going to live forever with him. And so in the meantime, he says, we need to be encouraging each other. We need to be building each other up so we can be the people that God has called us to be so we can reach the world that needs a healthy church, right? We've been saying for three weeks that one of the greatest things we can do in a, as a church to change the world is become healthy and strong within. The healthier we are within, the greater the impact we have without. How many know healthy things reproduce? Right? Healthy things reproduce. And when we're a healthy, growing church, we're reproducing the life of God in not just one another, but we're reproducing the life of God in our community, in our state, in our nation, and literally in the nations of the world because we are connected together in a way that produces life and health and helps us to grow together. So look at that first point with me. So we grow together by affirming each other's worth. 
We grow together by affirming each other's worth. How do we affirm each other's worth? Well, by accepting one another, acknowledging one another, and celebrating one another. So look with me in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, Jesus is being baptized. The Holy Spirit has descended upon him in the form of a dove. And then literally God speaks from heaven in an audible voice. And every time I read this scripture, I have the same thought. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, and suddenly there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus is really stepping into his earthly ministry. He's 30 years old, and the next three and a half years of his life are going to be the most challenging, difficult moments he had ever faced before. And all of a sudden, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on him, and then God the Father speaks from heaven, and this is what he says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And every time I read that scripture, this is what I think. If Jesus needed affirmation, how much more do we need affirmation? Think about what God the Father did on that day. God the Father affirmed His Son. He said, this is my beloved Son. You know what He was saying? Jesus, I love you. You're my beloved son. You're not just a son. You're my beloved son. And God the Father was announcing to the world, this is my son. And Jesus, I want you to know, Jesus, I love you. You're my beloved son. And I am, and with him I am well pleased. Do you hear the affirmation in that? Do you hear God the Father applauding His Son, Jesus, I'm so proud of you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I celebrate you. You've got it, Son. You're going to do it. You're going to make it. You're going to accomplish everything I sent you to accomplish. And you are mine, and I love you. How many of you understand the people that you value the most in your life are not the people that tolerate you? (laughs) They're the people that celebrate you. The people you value the most in your life are not the people that tolerate you. It's the people that celebrate you. The people that applaud you. The people that cheer for you. The people that encourage you. The people that believe in you. Those are the people that you value. And guess what? That's the kind of people we're supposed to be. We need affirmation. And as much as I love Sunday mornings, and we talk about this a lot here at Liberty, we learn in roles, but we connect in circles. There's not a lot of affirmation going on in the house on Sunday morning. We don't have time for everybody to sit around and, and share what happened this week and, hey, what's going on this week and how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm really proud. That's great. You got an A-plus on that test. Congratulations. Oh, man, you got a raise on the job. That's wonderful. I'm so proud. We don't have time to do that on Sunday morning. You know where that happens? It happens in small groups. It happens in the context of community where we gather together and we actually have the intentional time to to build relationships, to talk about life, to to, to celebrate what's going on. And and we need that in our lives. The average person today gets very little affirmation. You you wonder why we have an entire generation that is addicted to social media. And we wonder why we now have suicides as a result of the fact that young people didn't get enough likes or comments. 
You know why? Why in the world would a young person take their life just because nobody noticed their post on Instagram or TikTok or whatever their social media platform is? You know why? Because they're craving affirmation. They're craving somebody just to validate them and say you're important and I see you and I recognize you and I honor you and I I value who you are. That's one of the reasons God created the church. To create a community where that affirmation can happen in a very real way. But that'll never happen. Hear me today. That'll never happen in a row. That only happens in circles. You got to take the step beyond Sunday morning worship attendance. And you got to take the step to a small group community where somebody can know your name and know your story and they can affirm and celebrate you because they actually know who you are. And we need that. Listen to a couple of scriptures the Bible gives us. Proverbs 15, verse 7 says this Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. So that God will be given glory. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. Think about how Christ accepts us. There's only one way to come to Jesus. Just as you are. That's the only way. Billy Graham, for years, his his altar call song was Just As I Am. That old hymn. Just As I Am. Why? Because there's only one way to come to God. Just as I am. If I come to God pretending to be something I'm not, that won't work i got to come to God, and I've got to come just as I am. And you know what is so awesome about God? God accepts us just as they are. He doesn't leave us that way, but He accepts us that way. And what I love about Liberty Church is Liberty Church is a church where we accept people just like they are. You don't have to clean up to come to church. You come to church, and God will clean you up. Come on, somebody. Right? you got to catch the fish before you can clean it, right? And, and the good news of the gospel is that God accepts us just as we are. And there's power in acceptance. The moment I accept you for who you are, never, listen to me, never condoning sin, but also never condemning sinners. Jesus never condoned sin, but he also never condemned sinners. He accepted people right Where they are. Because he knew that in the acceptance and the love of God and the truth of God, that person's life would change. They would change. You can't stay this life. You can't experience the reckless, amazing, unconditional love of God and stay the way you are. It changes you. And so Jesus accepts us. So, so what I love about our church is it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you smell like. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. It doesn't matter, right? We love you. And you really are accepted just as you are. Why? Because we want to create a place where we can be transformed, where we can be changed, where we can become together the people God has called us all to be. So we, we, we affirm one another through acceptance. We affirm one another through acknowledging each other. Look what 1 Thessalonians 5 says. It says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Acknowledge those who work hard among you. Let, let me tell you one of the greatest frustrations I see happens in marriages with husbands and wives and even with parents and children is Isn't it frustrating and discouraging if it seems like nobody ever even acknowledges 
all the work you do. You're working, you're serving, you're giving, you're sacrificing. And it is so discouraging to function in a family and nobody ever says, hey, thank you. Thank you, Mom, for doing the clothes. Thank, thank you, thank you for buying the groceries. Hey, Dad, thank you, thank you for going to work. Hey, thank you for paying the electric bill. I'm glad we got internet working, all you young people. Come on, somebody. Isn't it great when somebody acknowledges your effort, acknowledges your work, acknowledges your labor, and just acknowledges the fact that, hey, I see you. I see what you're doing. I see the efforts that you're making. And it's so powerful. I want to do something right now. Brother Jim, would you mind to come up here? Brother Jim, pause for I, I had to. I had to tell him a, 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 little, a little story this morning. I said, Brother Jim, I want, to, I, want to, I want to recognize all the elders this morning, but I really don't want to recognize all the elders. I just want to recognize him. But I had to tell him I was going to recognize all of them or he'd have thought something was up. So here he comes. Come on, Brother Jim. You guys may not know. Come on. Some of you may not know Brother Jim. Brother Jim is our financial elder here at Liberty Church. And we have three awesome elders, Brother uh, Forrest Van Zandt and uh, Curtis Snyder. And they are amazing men, and they are a gift of God to this church. And most of those guys work behind the scenes all the time. But Brother Jim is our financial elder. Uh, he also, if you've ever drunk a cup of coffee at Liberty Church on Sunday morning, this guy makes it. He gets here about 5.30, 6 o'clock every morning, every Sunday, Makes all the coffee for our services so that every time you go in there and hit that little pump, you can say, thank you, Brother Jim. <laughs> but not only does he do that, but when, when COVID hit in 2020, Brother Jim had been serving and leading our local jail ministry to the Arab City Jail for 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. And so we want to present him a plaque this morning that just basically says, thank you for your grateful, for your faithful years of service to Liberty Church and to the Arab City Jail Ministry. Brother Jim, we love you. Let's give him a great big round of applause this morning. Love you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Amen. And I didn't give him a microphone because I'd never get the service back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brother Jim's one of those guys, he don't have a lot to say, but when he says something, you better listen to what he says. Amen? Let's give him one more round of applause. Jim, we love you, sir. How many of y'all know, we don't all need a plaque on the stage on Sunday morning, but we all need somebody to say, hey, I see you. And I appreciate the work you're doing. And I appreciate your effort. And I appreciate your time. Thank you for just being you. So if nobody's told you that lately, let me just tell you that. Thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for doing what you do every day to make Liberty Church and this world a better place just because you're in it. So we do love you guys. Why don't you give yourself a round of applause this morning, man? So look at that next point. We grow together not just by affirming each other, but we grow together by praying for each other's spiritual growth and maturity. By praying for each other's spiritual growth and maturity. I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 1. And the Apostle Paul pins down a prayer that he is praying for the Ephesian church, for the believers at Ephesus. And he writes this prayer that he's been praying for them. And I want you to listen 
to this prayer this morning. He says, I have not stopped thanking God for you, and I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. And I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. And I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. In my notes, I wrote, wow. (laughs) Wow, what a great prayer. What an awesome prayer to pray. Think about it. What he prayed for. He prayed for three specific things. He prayed that they would would receive insight and revelation of wisdom and understanding so they could grow in Christ. He prayed that their hearts would be flooded with light so that they could understand the confident hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And then he prayed that they would understand the greatness of God's power, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside each of them. What a powerful, powerful prayer. And I thought about prayer. And what I love about prayer is the Bible actually tells us, it says don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. So the good thing about prayer is prayer is an opportunity for us to pray about everything. And and here's what I want to say. I think as a church, as Christians, we do a pretty good job of praying for kind of the natural, visible things. We we were a really good church at praying for, for physical healing. And right now, we've got a precious member of our Liberty Church family. Many of you may or may not know Dick Waldeck. Dick and Tina lead the children's ministry at our Holly Pond campus and Dick actually does our maintenance at both of our campuses. Uh, Dick, this past week, had a brain bleed on his head. And he is in the NICU in UAB hospital. He had to be med-flighted Thursday night from Coleman to UAB. And he is stable and holding his own. But they need a miracle. They need God to show up in a really big way. And so I'm just asking you this morning to include Dick in your prayers. And let's just agree together right now for him. Father, we thank you for our brother. We just speak life over him now. God, we speak healing over Dick. And Lord, I pray, Lord, not only for Dick this morning, but for all, Lord, in this room and those watching online that need a healing. Father, your word says that you would stretch out your hand and heal. So we ask you to stretch out your hand over Dick this morning and over all that need a touch from heaven and heal their bodies and make them whole. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think we we do a good job of praying for healing. I I think we even do a pretty good job of praying for financial needs to be met, that when people are struggling financially, we pray for them and we love to help them. I think we do a good job of praying relationally for people. When marriages are struggling or, or, or there's tension in, in families, I think we do a good job of that. But I think there's a little missing link. I think the idea of recognizing that not only do we pray for those natural things, but we need to begin to pray intentionally for spiritual growth 
and maturity. What Paul prayed for the Ephesians church was not just for natural needs to be met, but he prayed for spiritual needs to be met, that they would have insight and confidence and hope and know the power that God had given them. And, and I believe Paul knew something, and this is what I want to share with you. I believe Paul understood that when we grow in spiritual growth and maturity, spiritual growth and maturity is a remedy for many of the natural problems that we have. Let's be honest, a lot of the marital problems that we experience could be remedied with spiritual growth and maturity. Get rid of a little selfishness. And it would be amazing how our marriages would begin to flourish. Even financial problems would be remedied with some spiritual growth and maturity because when you honor God with the tithe, God blesses the rest. And you can do more with 90 that's blessed than 100 that's cursed. And even just a little spiritual maturity and growth would change even the financial status in our lives. And even, even when you think of our own physical health, I know for me the revelation that I was not caring for my temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, God's body. Just that revelation changed the way I began to live my life. And, and this is what I began to realize as I was studying this week that, that, that part of the solution to the natural is rooted, we know this, in the spiritual and I, I want to just, I was just thinking, what would happen if we really, if we just took that prayer from Ephesians 1 and began to pray that over one another? What if we prayed it over our family? What if we prayed it over our small group? What if we prayed it over our family and our friends and our coworkers? I want to tell you what I believe would happen. It's called revival. <laughs> I believe God would, would, would breathe life into us. I believe God would answer those prayers and we would see real, practical, powerful change happen in our world just because we were willing to commit ourselves to praying, not just for physical needs, but for spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. Amen? What a powerful thing. So it's in that context of small group that we get that chance to pray for one another and to encourage one another and grow together through prayer as we intercede on behalf of the people that we know and the people that we love. Now at this time, I want to ask Miss Cindy Sharp to come. And I've asked Cindy to share her testimony of why community matters to her. And what I want you to do, I want you to listen because Cindy's testimony is powerful. We're going we're gonna to recognize how that through an answered prayer for maturity and growth produced life-giving connection to community. So y'all give Miss Cindy a great big round of applause this morning. two divorces so I felt I had no one to depend on. I raised two children I thought on my own but later I realized God was with me through it all. I went to church most of my life and thought I had God first in my life but saying it and living it are totally different. I was in the youth group growing up 
I sang in the choir when I was an adult. I went to Sunday school and church every Sunday. But as life happened, I began to sit on the far left side of the church, hoping no one would notice me. And I tried to be the first one out the door after the service was over. I would smile and I would shake hands, um, but no one really knew the emptiness and the loneliness that I was feeling inside. I began to have quiet time and to get into the Word, realizing that the only thing that would fill the void in me was God. Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13 says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. By seeking God's face with all my heart, he opened my blinded eyes to the scriptures. I spent two whole days alone with the Lord, and he baptized me with the Holy Spirit. And I received my prayer language. He immediately gave me a heart to go and tell. The Lord immediately led me to Liberty Church. This is where my community began. It's very hard to walk through the church doors the first time when you're alone. I knew no one at Liberty when I came here. But before I entered the church doors, the day before on a Saturday, I pulled up into the parking lot. And I was just looking for a sign to see what time the services were. And I met D.K. Mitchell. He walked up to my car, and he prayed with me. And, of course, he was looking for me the next day to welcome me into the church. After the first service, I knew I had found my church home. I began going to the 30 weeks of grow classes to equip me to be a disciple for the Lord. My first small group was at D.K. Mitchell's house with his wife, Jill. I began to meet new people, make new friends I had never had. We laughed together, we have cried together, and we have prayed together. Now I am a small group leader and have made more friends than I've ever had in my life. <laughs> we now share life together. I believe our community begins with our small groups, and we all need each other. But as, it, as we exit the doors, we're in the mission field. Romans 10, 14, and 15 says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? If we are Christians, he's sending us. He's sending us to love, to serve, to preach, to teach, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen.
before you walk off, Miss Cindy, let me ask you a question. What would you say to that person sitting out there that's like you used to be? Maybe they're shaking hands and they're smiling, but on the inside they're all empty and they're all alone. What would you say to that person this morning? I would say if you feel alone, first fill yourself completely with God because He's the only one that will ever fill that void. And then step out of your comfort zone and join a small group. You will meet some of the most sweet, loving, kind people that would love to be your friend, and you will not regret it. Amen. Let's give her one more round of applause. Thank you, Miss Cindy. Amen. The power of community. Amen. It has the ability to change our lives. So let's look at that next point. How do we grow together? Well, we pray for one another. We affirm one another. But I love this third point. We grow together by admitting our mistakes. Being honest, open, and transparent, right hot. I shared with you last week, Kelly says Liberty Church is a hot church. We're honest, we're open, we're transparent. Being honest, open, and transparent with each other empowers us because it helps us know that we are not alone. Let me give you a revelation this morning if you've not already got it. We all struggle. (laughs) We all have issues and challenges and difficulties in our life. Everybody that's married has marital issues. Everybody has financial issues. Everybody has relational issues. Everybody deals with the issues of life. I saw a tissue box this week and it said, here's a tissue for your issue. (laughs) I thought how appropriate for today's message, right? Because we all have issues. And one of the most powerful things about community is that we get together in that small group and all of a sudden we can get real, right? We can share the struggles and the challenges and the issues of life and, and it's so powerful and it's so empowering because the devil works overtime to deceive us into believing that you're the only one. Right, You're the only one battling with that, or you're the only one dealing with that, or nobody else would even understand what you're going through. Let me tell you something today. The devil is a liar. You are not alone, and you're not the first person to deal with what you're dealing with, and you're not the first person to battle with what you're battling with. I've shared this before, but I want to just say it again. Kelly and I for years have led a couple small group in our house. And, and one of the things that we do the last week we get together, we always ask this question, what was your biggest takeaway from small group? And nine times out of ten, the couples will say this, our biggest takeaway is that we understand that you and Pastor Kelly have the same struggles we have. <laughs> That's their biggest takeaway. All of a sudden they realize, hey, we're all dealing with stuff. We all hurt. We all feel pain. We all walk through seasons of darkness and challenges and heartache and heartbreak. We all want to throw in the towel every now and then and give up. But the good news is is we are not alone. And the power of community is that it allows us, it creates an opportunity for us to be honest with each other. Now, now, let me give you a scripture. Ephesians chapter, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Apostle Paul makes an amazing statement here. I, I want you to hear this. I saw something in this scripture I've never seen before. Look, look what he says, verse 21. 
He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And put on your new nature, which is created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now look at verse 25. So stop telling lies. And let us tell our neighbors the truth. Why? For we are all parts of the same body. I I never connected the dots. Here's what Paul connects for us. He says one of the keys to putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature is that we got to tell the truth. we got to be honest with one another because we can't keep telling lies. We can't pretend everything's okay when it's not okay. You know, we, we have a lot of Christian slogans around, you know, the church. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. How you doing today? Oh, I'm living the dream. And every time somebody tells me that, I think, are you really? Because I know a little of your story, and I don't think that's the dream. You know, it's okay. I understand, right? We're trying to put on a good front. We're trying to put on a good face. And we need to walk in faith, and we need to walk in courage, and we need to have positivity and faith on our lips. But we also need a safe place to get real. That's not social media. That's not the water cooler at your work. That's in a community of faith where people love you and honor you and accept you and stand with you. We need that. And that only happens in that context of that small group environment where we can stop pretending and we can speak the truth and say, man, it's really been a hard week. And I'm mad. I'm mad. That's okay. Right, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And that happens. That liberty, that freedom happens in that community. Look at that next point. We grow together by encouraging one another to be committed to the things that really matter. We grow together by encouraging one another to be committed to the things that really matter. And, and this, this one point I think is huge. And let me tell you why. I, as I was thinking through this, this, this message and praying over each point as we were going to be working through them together, I thought about the idea of, of how, how there is so much negative encouragement. I didn't know how to put it any other way. So I want to call it negative encouragement. It is amazing out in the world. When you're going through difficult times, when you're dealing with challenges and issues and struggles, it is amazing how much negative encouragement there is. Think about it. How many people out in the world are encouraging us to do the wrong thing? Encouraging us to deal with our problems the wrong way. Just recently I heard of a lady going through a very difficult time and one of her friends called her up and said, Hey, you want to go get drunk tonight? How many know that's not really helpful? That doesn't solve the problem. It it creates more problems. But when you go out into the world, man, the world has a lot of negative encouragement. They're going to encourage you, right? You're going through some marital issues. Well, just leave her. Come on. Go find another one. There's a lot of fish in the sea. You deserve better than that. You don't need to put up with that. Just get out of there. Isn't it crazy? 
how the world negatively encourages us to make choices and decisions that are detrimental to our health, detrimental to our spiritual life, detrimental to our marriages, detrimental to our families, detrimental to us as a whole. And I'm just going to tell you something. You need, you need the kind of positive encouragement that says, hey, I want to encourage you to do the thing that honors God. I want to encourage you to do the thing that matters most. I want to encourage you to be committed to the things that are going to make a positive, eternal difference in your life. And you're not going to find that outside the church. Hollywood's not doing it. Your lost friends and family is not doing it. It is only in the context of spiritual community can you experience that encouragement to be committed to doing the things that really matter. So I want to give you a couple thoughts. I'm not going to read all the scriptures for the sake of time. Let me just say this. I think we need people encouraging us to love God and love people, right? In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31, Jesus tells us the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you know you don't have any lost friends at work encouraging you to love God and love people? <laughs> the mantra of Hollywood is not love God and love people. Your Facebook scroll or your Instagram feed or your TikTok, whatever it is, none of those things usually are probably really encouraging you too much to love God and love people. But we need a community that when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's challenging, somebody's just saying, man, you just got to keep, you got to keep believing. You got to keep pressing in. Man, you, you can walk away from a lot of stuff, but you can't walk away from Jesus. He is your hope. He is your healer. He is your strength. And we need people encouraging us to be committed to loving God and loving people. Think about this. We need people, I just made a reference to it. We need people encouraging us to be committed to our marriages and our families. And I'm going to read this scripture because I don't think most people even know this is in the Bible. <laughs> Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. You ought to write this down. It's not on your outline, but it is on the screen. You ought to write this down. Listen to what the Bible says. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have, not been, but you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remains your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are His. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. Look at this. So guard your heart and remain loyal. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Look at verse 16. For I hate divorce. Let me stop for a second. God doesn't hate divorced people. God loves divorced people. But God hates divorce. And then listen to why He says He hates divorce. I hate divorce, says the Lord, because to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. You know what happens in divorce? Divorce always brings pain. Even, even when it's the right thing, even when there's abuse, even when there's uh, uh, unfaithfulness, divorce always brings pain. And God doesn't hate divorced people. God hates divorce because it causes pain. It overwhelms people with cruelty, with grief, with trauma, with sorrow, and all these things. Now they've got to carry a new truckload of baggage. 
into their next relationship. And without Christ, they may not even know how to deal with it. So every relationship gets heavier and gets harder and gets more difficult because without the healing of Christ in your heart, you just carry that stuff and you never really overcome that stuff. So God says, I hate divorce, and look what he says again. He says, so guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You know what we need? We need people looking at people and saying, fight for your marriage. You need somebody committed and encouraging you to fight for your marriage, to, to guard your heart. Don't, don't, guys, listen to me. Guys, don't look at that. Don't go to that website. Don't look at that YouTube channel. Don't look at that woman whose, whose skirt is too short and her blouse is cut too low. Turn your eyes and guard your heart. And I'm just telling you, ain't nobody in the world telling you that. It's only in here that we're fighting for marriages, that we're fighting. Right? We need somebody to say, wives, forgive your husband. Husbands, forgive your wives. We, we need that. And you don't find that anywhere but in the church. You don't find that anywhere but in the context of community where we value life and we value marriage. And guess what? On a good day, marriage is hard. <laughs> right? On a good day, it's hard. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And we need somebody helping us to fight for our marriages, to fight for our children. Man, we, we got some single dads in this room that I'm really proud of. Men that even though they went through a bitter divorce that maybe wasn't even their choice or their decision, they've stayed committed to their kids. They've stayed committed to supporting their kids. They've stayed committed to visiting their kids. They've stayed committed to loving their kids. And if you're one of those men, let me just applaud you. Come on, church. Let's give them a round of applause. Because that's godly. And that's good. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And we need that in our lives. We, we need people encouraging us and challenging us to be committed to church. The, the Bible says that, that we should not forsake the assembling together of ourselves, even more so as the day of his return is drawing near. You know what statistics tell us now? Statistics tell us that the average Christian goes to church once a month. The average Christian in America goes to church once a month. If you went to work once a month, you wouldn't have a job. How many of you know we need some people in our lives encouraging us, man, we missed you at church. Man, why weren't you at church? Hey, why don't you come to church? Right? We need to love each other enough to bother one another. Right? When Marty ain't there, I need to nag him and say, Marty, where were you at Sunday? Man, I missed you Sunday. Why weren't you at church Sunday? What's going on Sunday? You all right, brother? Can I pray for you? You need anything? Now, let me tell you something. Pastor Keith can't do that for everybody, but you can do that for somebody. Right? I can't do that for everybody, but you can do that for somebody. That's why you need to know the person sitting next to you so that next Sunday, if they're not sitting there, you need to reach out to them and say, hey, I missed you at church today. Is everything okay? Hey, wouldn't it make you feel good if you missed church and somebody reached out to you? I, I, I go out of town sometimes and nobody misses me. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. uh, so, 
So let me, let me encourage you this, real practical. You need to learn the name of the person you're sitting next to. Because you know what, we're all creatures of habit. So that person's going to sit on that pew or, really, or that row or really close to that row almost every Sunday. So go ahead and learn their name. And then say, hey, you know, hey, my name is Keith. I don't know if I've ever met you. We've been worshiping together for three years, and we've never shook hands and introduced ourselves. So my name's Keith. And by the way, man, what's your phone number? I know that's kind of creepy and weird, but I love you. <laughs> Can you put that in my phone right here? Because next Sunday, if you ain't here, I'm going to love you enough to check on you. And then not just bother them, but love them. Hey, I missed you today. Genuine, I missed you. You know what? That means a lot. That means a lot. And we, we need that. We need somebody encouraging us to be committed to the local church because the local church has value. And this is something that's not happening everywhere. Amen? All right, I'm going to ask Miss Susan Silk to come. Miss Susan's going to come and share with us her testimony on why community matters. And she's going to talk a little bit about the importance of serving. Let me just say this to you. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom of God would be the servant of all. And we need people encouraging us not to be selfish, selfish, but to be selfless and serve others. If you listen to the mantra of the world, the mantra of the world says, Live for yourself. You only live once. You only got one life, so you better do everything you want to do, and it's all about you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. When you stand before God, you're going to realize you're going to be rewarded for the things that were not all about you. And Miss Susan's going to share with us the power of what happens when community loves one another enough to serve one another. Y'all give her a round of applause. Good morning, everyone. Community matters to me because we were made for relationships. To build relationships, you can in small groups. <laughs> I remember when I needed to rebuild my porch. And I posted on ARAB Awareness, asking if anyone had any leftover lumber from any projects that they were, had finished. Well, God had a bigger plan for fixing my porch. I didn't know his plan. And it wasn't long till Miss Diane Snyder calls and she's asking many questions. And then Mike Shaw comes a couple of weeks later looking at my porch to see what kind of lumber may be needed to fix it. And at that time, small groups were choosing their outreach projects and Little did I know that I was going to be one of those projects. Because that sure wasn't my plan. That was God's plan. Their small group came together in their own way and did what needed to be done to fix my porch. To tell the truth, that was just a small thing. 
that touched my heart. The big thing that humbled me and made my heart swell up was that the men that came to my house and put their hands to work to help me, just one person in this church, those men were Mike Shaw, Pastor Keith, our own pastor. He put his hands to work. And Curtis Snyder, he was out there working too. Jacob Shaw and Levi Hodges, they both were working hard. They did an awesome job, and I was very grateful. And it's very humbling to know that you have men that are higher up in your church that are willing to come and put their hands to work. So it honored me to be able to prepare food and show how much I appreciated them. See, you never know just what God has planned. Our plans are small compared to his, and this is why community matters to me. Amen. Love you, Miss Susan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So we need each other. We need that community encouraging us to do the things that matter. We need community affirming us. We need community praying for us. We need community being honest and real with us. And it's in that context of community that great things really do happen. Amen? So I want to do this. We're going to get ready in just a moment to go into our last final song of worship here this morning. I want to ask our prayer team if they would to go ahead and make their way to the front. I want to just challenge you today to think about the level of community that you're involved in right now. We, we heard from Cindy how challenging it really is to take that first step of faith and get connected and meet people that you don't know. But to see Cindy who went from being the lady sitting by herself, slipping out after church, to now being a small group leader with more friends than she's ever had in her entire life. What a beautiful testimony that is. So I, I want to challenge you today to evaluate what, what level of community am I living at? And if you've not taken that next step to get in a small group, again, it's not too late. We've got a few weeks left in our 40 days of community, and we would love for you to join a group. Begin to build some relationships. Begin to meet some new people. Begin to exchange some numbers and begin to encourage one another. So I want us to do this this morning. Let's just stand to our feet today. And as we get ready to go on this last song, I want to just open the altar up today. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning. And maybe you're walking through a difficult time. Maybe you're dealing with grief or loss or struggle or pain. And you just need prayer. I want to just open the altar up to you this morning. Our prayer teams that are here this morning would be honored to pray with you. They'd be honored just to pray with you this morning about whatever is going on in your life, whatever the issue 
in your life is today, you're not alone. And we'd love to pray with you this morning. So as we go into this last song this morning, I want you just to worship with us, but I want you to know the altar's open. And if you need prayer right now, we would love to pray with you. So let's worship the Lord together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. We live for you. So holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Come on, church, let's sing that. He's worthy. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. open. If you need prayer, you come. Our prayer teams are available. 
But as we get ready to close today, I want to just challenge you today. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith, I don't, I don't have a relationship with God. You're talking about spiritual community and connecting to the church. I'm not even connected to Christ. And I realized this morning, I'm not a Christian. I've never been born again. That's what Jesus called it. He said, you must be born again. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I've never done that, but I believe today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today I want to commit my life to following Christ. I want to receive Jesus and the gift of eternal life that he gives. If that's you today, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand all across the building. Just lift it high. Today's my day, Pastor Keith. I want to be born again. I want to know Jesus. And I want to accept Him as my Savior this morning. Raise your hand good and high. Just keep that hand up. Our ushers are going to come. They're going to come give you a little packet. I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. But if you want to accept Christ this morning, I'd love to pray with you today. So let's just pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand in the room or maybe you're at home and you're sitting there, you're saying, Pastor Keith, I'm raising my hand this morning. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day so he could save me and redeem me. I ask you to save me. I want to be born again. I repent of my sins and I turn and trust in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. We're going to let these continue to pray. You are dismissed. God bless you today. Uh, remember, next Sunday, Family Fun Day, uh, bring a soup, a chili, or a dessert to share. There's also a place out at the Information Center you can sign up for that. We love you guys. God bless you.